Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to Amarela's fourth quarter and fiscal year 2024 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1-1 on your telephone. You will then hear an automatic message advising your hand is raised. Please know that today's conference is being recorded. I will now hand the conference over to your speaker host, Louis Grahardi, VP of Corporate Development and Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Livia, and good afternoon, and thank you for joining our fourth quarter and full year fiscal 2024 financial results conference call. On the call with me today is Dr. Fermi Wong, President and CEO, and John Young, CFO. The primary purpose of today's call is to provide you with information regarding the results for our fourth quarter and full year fiscal 2024. The discussion today and the responses to your questions will contain forward-looking statements regarding our projected financial results, financial prospects, market growth, and demand for our solutions, among other things. These statements are based on currently available information and subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. Should any of these risks or uncertainties materialize, or should our assumptions prove to be incorrect, our actual results could differ materially from these forward-looking statements. We're under no obligation to update these statements. These risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, as well as other information on potential risk factors that could affect our financial results, are more fully described in the documents we file with SEC. Access to our fourth quarter and full-year fiscal 2024 results press release, transcripts, historical results, SEC filings, and a replay of today's call can be found on the Investor Relations page of our website. The content of today's call, as well as the materials posted on our website, are Amborella's property and cannot be reproduced or transcribed without our prior written consent. Fermi will now provide a business update for the quarter. John will review the financial results and outlook, and then we'll be all available for your questions. Fermi? Thank you, Luis, and uh, good afternoon. Thank you for joining our call today. In the fourth quarter of fiscal 24, our revenue increased about 2% sequentially, and we slightly exceeded the midpoint of our guidance range. Thanks to the early actions we took to help our customers navigate their access inventory, our business continued to stabilize and is beginning to recover. For the full fiscal year 24, our revenue declined 32.9% year-over-year as our customers digested inventory resulting from the industry-wide semiconductor cyclical downturn. Looking ahead to fiscal year 25, we continue to expect both our automotive and IoT business to grow as the cyclical challenges win and the secular growth of age AI strategy emerges. Our customers currently have a cumulative install base of more than 20 million AI inference SOCs, all from our 10 nanometer CV2 family and the 5 nanometer CV5. This is based on approximately 280 customer products that have reached production on a cumulative basis. The CV2 family is expected to continue to be the key driver of our revenue growth in fiscal year 25. Our AI inference business, all in age applications, represented approximately 60% of our total fiscal 24 revenue, 
and was the key factor in the meeting's percent year-over-year increase in our blended ASP. The trend to a richer mix of AI revenue and a higher averaging selling price is expected to continue, in particular as the CV3 SOC family enters production. At this time, virtually all of our customers' new design activity involves our AI inference processors. In fact, this was the first year at the CES where all of our, our SOC demos, more than 30, were based on our AI inference products. Fiscal 2024 was certainly challenging for most of the industry. However, there were key industry developments and the company's specific achievements that we believe leave us very well positioned for growth as the market recovery plays out. For the industry, in the past, the AI processor opportunity had primarily been represented by training GPUs in server located in data centers and this is a market that we do not serve. However, in the last year, the important role and opportunity for inference processors, in particular at age, has become better understood. And this is exactly where we have been focused on. Internally, we achieved four key milestones during the last year. First, we have now shipped more than 500,000 units of our first 5-nanometer SOC CV5 and we expect our shipments in fiscal year 2025 to approximately double. Most of CV5 volume is currently in our IoT business, although we expect an automotive OEM to start production in the second half of the year. The fact that we have already achieved high volume mass production at the finite nanometer helps pave the way for our other finite nanometer SOC, such as the CV3 family. Second, the automotive market will sample both the high-end production version of our 5-nanometer CV3 as well as a 5-nanometer version for China. At the high-end, we sample CV3-AD685 targeting L3 and above autonomy. And this central domain controller is currently evaluated, is in evaluation at multiple OEMs and tier ones globally. So far, we are finding success in L3 and above commercial vehicles. For the basic highway L2 Plus opportunity in China, we introduced a CV72 AQ, and we have numerous tier one design wins and OEM discussions on the way. Third, we introduced our generative AI, Gen AI strategy for the age of the network, and we are sampling our 5 nanometer N1 processor targeting age applications ranging from IoT devices to age servers. Fourth, we'll continue to build out the CV3 automotive platform to offer our tier one and OEM customers turnkey options with our software stack and our, our centrally processed HD radar algorithms. We started the new year at the Consumer Electronics Show CES, where we hosted over 200 customer meetings and made a number of significant announcements for automotive, Gen AI, and our new Cooper development platform. We were pleased to receive a CES Innovation Award for the second year in a row, this time for our centralized radar processing architecture. In December, we unveiled our first, our latest software stack for level two plus and higher autonomous driving applications. This software is optimized and can scale across our entire CV3 processor family, enabling OEM to get to market faster and reduce development costs. 
the new sofa stack, including the perception, fusion, and the planning layers, is primarily deep, deep learning based, which allows software development to scale more easily, resulting in a more accurate solution. Finally, most important, we rely on, we rely on high-resolution camera and the radar perception data to create a real-time map inside the vehicle. And for this reason, we eliminate the use of stored HD maps that may contain stale data, which result in improved results and reduced costs for an OEM. If needed, the software stack is available in modules and can be combined with an OEM's own software intellectual property. During the CES show, we demonstrated the stack running on a single CV3 automotive AI domain processor in our own autonomous vehicle, successfully completing over 150 autonomous rides. The demonstration integrated our Oculite radar algorithm for the first time. We also announced the expansion of CV3 processor family with the addition of our CV3 AD635 and the 655 SOCs. The new CV3-AD635 supports a sensing suite that includes multiple cameras and radars to enable mainstream level two plus feature set, such as highway autopilot and automa automated parking, in addition to meeting the GSR2 and the NCAP standards. Additionally, the 655 enables advanced level two plus with urban autopilot, as well as support for additional cameras, radars, and other sensors. With the previously announced flagship 685 SOC, along with the China Fox CV72AQ SOC, the CV3 family of four processors now covers the full range of AD and ADAS solutions, from mainstream to premium passenger vehicles. The new CV3-AD SOCs were endorsed by our partner Continental. Kodiak Robotics, a leading autonomous vehicle company focused on trucking and the defense, announced that it had selected our CV3-AD685 AI domain controller for its next generation autonomous vehicles. In IoT markets, during CES, we announced we are bringing Gen AI capabilities to the edge through the introduction of our N1 processor for on-premises applications. This SOC supports up to 34 billion parameters, multimodal large language models, LLMs, with low power consumption, enabling Gen AI for edge applications. We demonstrated multimodal LLM running on the new N1 processor at a fraction of the power per inference of leading GPU solutions. Umbrella aims to bring Gen AI to a wide range of edge applications, including video security, robotics, and industrial applications. Quanta Computer announced it was partnering with Umbrella to develop products based on our CV3-8685, CV72, and new N1 processor to address cutting-edge AI devices. This offering addresses the growing market demand for a diverse range of neural network and LLMs and the well-empowered business across sectors, including autonomous vehicle, smart surveillance, robotics, and healthcare. Quanta demonstrated PCIe adding cards based on our N1, as well as showing automotive ECUs based on CV3-8680. We also introduced and demonstrated our new Cooper developers platform, 
Cooper offers seamless integration of software, hardware, state-of-the-art, fine-tuned AI models and services that provide universal support for Embraer's entire portfolio of AI SOCs. We have now successfully deployed Cooper to some of our IoT customers worldwide. I will now quickly highlight some of the customer products announcements made during the last quarter. In the Chinese automotive market, we continue to expand our position in this important market. During the quarter, GAC Auto announced Ion Ace Max passenger car with combination driver monitoring and in-cabin sensing based on our CV25 AQ Automotive AI Vision Processor. GAC also introduced this Trump G M8 passenger car with driver monitoring and multi-channel occupancy monitoring also based on our CV25 AQ. And in January, Xiaopeng unveiled its X9 minivan, including an electronic mirror system based on our A12 automotive SOC. And in the enterprise IoT market, Korean market leader Hanhua Vision introduced multiple models based on AI Vision SOC, including 4K and the four-channel multi-directional cameras based on our CV2 SOCs, and the AI thermal camera based on our CV22 SOCs. Huawei Korean camera supplier IDIS introduced a 2-megapixel voice over IP video intercom based on our CV28 SOC. And Taiwan-based VivoTech also introduces a new 87-V3 family over IP camera based on our CV22 AI SOCs and featuring fixed dome and bully models with advanced AI capabilities. And in the home monitoring market, Canadian service provider TELUS announced its home view doorbell camera based on our CV20AM AI SOC and, v and featuring advanced AI uh, de detection. In summary, looking forward, our key objectives to restore revenue growth and profitability while continuing to drive our strategic R&D priorities for AI inference process opportunities at the age. To achieve this goal, we are highly focused on commercialization of the technology and products we have developed, and in particular, converting the multiple RFIs and RFQs we are currently working on for CV2 and CV3 into awarded business. Furthermore, returning our IoT business to its positive secular growth trajectory is very important, and this includes our early business development of new-gen AI and one products. In conclusion, we have, not seen, we have not been distracted by the prolonged industry-wide cyclical downturn, and we see the secular trends we address, safety, security, and automation remaining very strong. The increased market attention on inference processing, in particular at age, is aligned with where we have been investing. In the new year, we are very excited about the opportunities we are working on, and we look forward to move more business into one column. And I'm excited about what we have, what we will achieve in the years ahead. With that, John will now discuss the Q4 and the full year fiscal year 2024 results and outlook in more details. Thank you, Fermi. Before I begin, I would like to say that I'm honored to assume the CFO role. I've been working with the team for seven years, and I'm very excited to help the company as it pursues growth in its target markets. I'll now review the financial highlights for the fourth quarter and full fiscal year 2024, ending January 31st, 2024. 
I will also provide a financial outlook for our first quarter of fiscal year 2025, ending April 30th, 2024. <clears throat> I will be discussing non-GAAP results and ask that you refer to today's press release for a detailed reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP results. For non-GAAP reporting, we have eliminated stock-based compensation expense, along with acquisition-related and restructuring costs adjusted for the impact of taxes. Fiscal year 2024 revenue decreased 32.9% to $226.5 million. IoT revenue was about two-thirds of the total revenue and declined about 40% for the year. Auto revenue represented the balance of revenue and declined about 14% for the year. From a product point of view, a large majority of our fiscal 2024 revenue decline was from our human viewing video processor SOCs. For fiscal year 2024, non-GAAP gross margin was 63.3% versus 63.9% in fiscal 2023. Non-GAAP operating expense increased 3.9% for the year versus 17.6% in the prior year. Ending cash and marketable securities totaled $219.9 million up from $206.9 million at the end of the prior year. For fiscal Q4, revenue was $51.6 million, slightly above the midpoint of our prior guidance range, up 2% from the prior quarter and down 38% year over year. Non-GAAP gross margin for fiscal Q4 was 62.5% in line with our prior guidance range. Non-GAAP operating expense was $44.1 million, approximately flat with the prior quarter, and below our prior guidance range of $45 to $48 million, driven by continued expense management and the timing of spending between quarters. We remain on track to our internal product development milestones. Q4 net interest and other income was $2.1 million. Q4 non-GAAP tax provision was approximately $119,000. In fiscal Q4, we recorded a one-time GAAP non-cash tax charge of $22.7 million, establishing a valuation allowance on certain U.S. deferred tax assets that were deemed more likely than not to be unrealizable in the foreseeable future. This valuation allowance was excluded from fiscal Q4 non-GAAP tax provision consistent with our historical practice for changes to tax valuation allowances. This adjustment is a non-cash tax charge required by GAAP based on the proportion of taxable income in the United States. We reported a non-GAAP net loss of $9.8 million or a 24 cent loss per diluted share. Now I'll turn to our balance sheet and cash flow. Fiscal Q4 cash and marketable securities decreased $2.4 million from the prior quarter to $219.9 million. Receivables days of sales outstanding increased from 42 days in the prior quarter to 44 days, while days of inventory decreased from 145 to 131 days. Inventory dollars declined 6% sequentially and declined 28% from a year ago. Operating cash outflow was $4 million for the quarter 
And for the full year, we generated operating cash inflow of $19 million. Capital expenditures for tangible and intangible assets were $1.9 million for the quarter and $12 million for the year. We had two logistics and ODM companies representing 10% or more of our revenue in Q4. WT Microelectronics, a fulfillment partner in Taiwan that ships to multiple customers in Asia, came in at 55% of revenue for the fourth quarter and 53% for the full fiscal year 2024. Chaconi, an ODM who manufactures for multiple end customers, was 14% of revenue for both the quarter and the full fiscal year 2024. I'll now discuss the outlook for the first quarter of fiscal year 2025. Our early actions during the cyclical downturn in the semiconductor industry have helped our customers navigate their high inventory balances, and these actions are now enabling our business to stabilize and begin to recover. For fiscal Q1, we estimate our total revenue will be in the range of 52 to $56 million. We expect sequential growth in both IoT and auto. We expect fiscal Q1 non-GAAP gross margin to be in the range of 61.5 to 63%. We expect non-GAAP OPEX in the first quarter to be in the range of 46 to $49 million. With the increase compared to Q4, driven by new product development costs and employee-related expenses, which we were able to delay in previous quarters. We estimate net interest income to be approximately $1.5 million, our non-GAAP tax expense to be approximately $500,000, and our diluted share count to be approximately 40.8 million shares. Amborella will be participating in a fireside chat and hosting one-on-one and group meetings on February 29th in New York City at Susquehanna's Technology Conference. We will also be participating in Morgan Stanley's TMT conference in San Francisco on Monday, March 4th. On March 18th, we will participate in the Roth conference in Southern California. We hope to see you at one of these events. Please contact us for more details. Thank you for joining our call today. And with that, I will turn the call over to the operator for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1-1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, simply press star 1-1 again. In the consideration of time, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Now, first question coming from the line of Quinn Bolton. From Needham, Elon is open. Hey, uh, this is Neil Young. I'm for Quinn Bolton. Um, thank you for taking my questions. Uh, so you said you were seeing project delays from Tier 1s and OEMs, uh, as well as volume reductions in planned projects, which you called out more of an inventory issue. Uh, how's that inventory improvement, prog- or I should say, is that inventory improvement progressing ahead of where you thought it would? Um, and if so, are you starting to get the sense that these projects will resume soon? And then I had a follow-up. So you are referring to what we said in a quarter before? Uh, yes. So in, I think in November when we provide um, 
I think in early December when we provide our final guidance for uh, for this year, I think we talk about the there's a project got pushed out and OE from OEN tier ones also some decision for a new project also got delayed, and also there's some inventory. I think uh, what we are saying is con still consistent with what we have said in November in December last year. I think there's no new updates. Um, I don't think we haven't seen new uh, development in terms of a further project got delayed or pushed out. Okay, so on the auto side regarding inventory, you aren't seeing any any improvements. We haven't seen any improvement, but we are not saying there's you're getting worse. Okay, thanks. Um, and then my, for my follow up, so in the past you talked about uh, how the first CV3 revenue would come from China. Uh, I believe in your opening remarks, I heard you say you're engaged in discussion with multiple tier ones and already have multiple design wins on the way. Uh, if that's the case, when do you think you'll see first revenue from those wins? And then uh, maybe just an update on the demand environment uh, in China. Right. So for CV70 to AQ, we expected that the first revenue from those design wins would be uh, in a, a calendar year 2026 that we have been we have talked about this uh, in a previous call and uh, the basically that was a, a low end cv72 aq is a basically is a low end of cv3 family and addressing a, a, a first level of a level 2 plus for example for the uh, uh, 8s plus uh, smart parking so that's a the no market in china and we're working on uh, we already have design with tier 1 and working with oen design wins right now so um but i think for the market development point of view, I think China continues to be one of the focus areas that we are in, uh, because I think that uh, um, follow the, I think everybody see the EV development in China, and we believe autonomous driving also will happen in China faster than other area. So that's definitely we believe we can monetize our CV3 technology in China faster than any other areas. Thank you. And our next question coming from the lineup, Christopher Rowland, Mr. Scahana, your line is open. Hi, thanks for the question. Um, just about your N1 product, uh, maybe any more thoughts on how large this could be uh, for you guys? Um, have you considered or has anyone talked about combining multiple chips into a server or appliance? Uh, and then lastly, does, does this meet the Chinese compute restrictions for import as well? Thanks. Right. So first of all, in terms of N1, we definitely believe that, uh, um, we, first of all, we can technically we can put a, a multiple chip together is, and to serve a high-end solution. But so far, we believe a single chip solution at the age, well, meet a lot of demands for a lot of uh, our current customer, maybe even new customers. But I do see a point if you want to go to the AG server side that uh, with multiple um, chip will provide a better solution. Definitely that's the direction we are looking at. And uh, the current solution that, for example, we demo with uh, our partners building PCIe card today is a single chip solution, but it can be a multiple chip in the future. Um, in terms of uh, the American the uh, regulation, I think N1, because our architecture, although we can provide uh, high performance at very low power consumption, but our 
total tops, so top number as well as the bandwidth is much lower than our competition. And that's our strength, our, our architecture that we can use uh, smaller top number and uh, lower bandwidth to achieve a uh, similar or higher performance. Great, thank yeah, you for yeah, Chris, me. in terms of the market size, um, we've had many discussions, you know, at CES and, and afterwards with customers, you know, on our Gen AI and LLM, you know, products, and we see really good feedback about what these products can do. And many customers, we found out, just were not aware that, you know, Gen AI models like, you know, Lava could run so efficiently, you know, on a sub-50 watt SOC. And so... This has triggered a lot of discussions with our customers and how they're going to use the product. And we're going to wait to put some market sizing figures out until we're a little bit farther down that process. But the feedback's really good, especially, you know, doing this on a sub-50 watt SOC. Great. Did you have a follow-up, uh, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe around the kind of edge AI and camera opportunity, um, maybe if you could describe that. I mean, there's so much focus on auto, but next-gen, like, security cameras with all this AI functionality, like, what are growth rates for that market? Do you have now visibility into a funnel to kind of refresh that and re to revigor revigorate that market? And, and what kind of growth could we be, be talking for? kind of that edge market as well uh, with your products, thanks. Well, for our, our SAM, um, we haven't updated it for, for Gen AI, you know, kind of like the prior discussion, so we're still sizing that up. Um, but the prior, you know, SAM CAGR, if you will, that we talked about uh, was in the, you know, low teens range, you know, thinking of a five-year SAM CAGR for that market. But that does not include the Gen AI products, and we're going to take a little bit longer to put those numbers in. In terms of kind of the insight into uh, building momentum in this market and any sort of funnel, I'll, I'll pass that off to Fermi. Um, yeah. In fact, you know, although we talk a lot about auto because that's a huge opportunity, but we never uh, underestimate the importance of, a, you know, security camera market for us. This is really a big portion of our revenue, and we continue to believe that the AGAI application for security cameras is important for us, and we continue to develop new platform. For example, uh, we announced CV72, and we'll announce uh, new chips for this market uh, in the near future. So I think... We believe that uh, uh, the de uh, AI performance de demand in security camera will continue to grow, and we want to be a, continue to be the player and the dominant player on the main, mainstream high-end product line. Thank you. And our next question coming from the line of Matt Ramsey with TD Cowan New Line is open. Um, good afternoon, guys. Um, thank you. Uh, I guess. Fermi, I wanted to follow up with you on on some of the initial feedback on on the N1 from an inference perspective, and it's I guess it's not a surprise to me given uh, that the, the engineering and architecture team that you're getting good feedback on low power inference. I guess my question is, as you get that good feedback and you're interacting with customers that can potentially ramp this product over time, given kind of where the P&L is for you guys right now during the correction, what's the business model 
over the next 12 to 18 months to start to really build a business around this and, and get something that could ramp at scale given the software investments that you need, et cetera. Are you, um, are customers willing and are you willing to do sort of NRE payment arrangements? Um, are, are people willing to, to invest alongside you on software? I'm just trying to figure out, um, I can see big potential here, but there's also some limitations on, on capital given where the business is. And I'm trying to understand what the discussions are to get you from point A to point B if this is going to be a big product. Right. So I think you, you make a good point. I think for for the N1 uh, development, it's going to be uh, significant for us. But that, that's why we are open for any kind of business model, including from partnership to NRE numbers. I think with N1, we already can address uh, some of the customer, particularly our existing customer demand. And also on the software, in fact, you, you know, we can demo this, show you that our, the, the, our investment on the software and tools and the silicon can be leveraged for our first generation chip. So from that point of view, I think our, our majority of our investment for N1 is done. So the real question is what's our roadmap moving forward? And we, for example, if we look at the Cooper development, although we define Cooper for other purposes, but definitely directly apply to our N1 development. So let's talk about for, for the, our uh, LLM or Gen AI uh, roadmap. I think that's where the, the difficulty is, right? I think it's from the PR point of view, if we want to do this, we need to continue to invest in R&D for new chips and maybe even new software. So from that point of view, I agree with you that, that we have to look at all the possible scenario, including a partnership as well as a NDA. So for the, so some of the NRE payments for us to pay for the current cost. But I think, you know, based on the feedback, it's become very clear that it's not, LLM is not only for the data center. LLM will penetrate to the H device and our current existing customer and future customer all want LLM as a part of the roadmap. So I think that we need to be flexible to develop a roadmap uh, for, uh, our, uh, for our customer. And we have to figure that out uh, in a, in a, sometime this year. No, thank you for all the thoughts there for me. Um, I guess this is my follow-up question where the, the revenue levels are right now, and you guys have been consistent the last couple quarters that you're working with the customer base to burn through inventory that they had built. Um, and, and you're clearly under shipping and sell through by a pretty significant margin to do that. So, I mean, I, I asked this last quarter and maybe it was too early to ask, but now that we've had three more months, do you have a feel now as to what the steady straight sell through revenue level of the business is currently just with the designs you've won, particularly in the security camera businesses? What is, what what's sell through and what's the market size right now after we've gone way up and then way down on the inventory correction? What what's kind of the the, the steady state sell through that you're under shipping to burn through inventory? Do you have an estimate for that? Thanks. Yeah, so we, we are trying very hard to understand numbers. So let me give you my thoughts. I think you know when I look at the, the number that at the peak we shipped probably ninety two million a quarter. At the bottom we ship roughly fifty million. And when we look at all of the uh, statistics and the, the numbers that the model we built, 
we feel the midpoint of that two number is probably the a comfortable level for us, and we are definitely working hard to go to that to reach that level. So I think roughly in the seventy million dollar range is probably the 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 number we are shooting for uh, when the, everything uh, get, get equal equalized. Thank you. And our next question coming from the lineup, Tori Sandberg with Stiefel. Your line is open. Yes, thank you. Uh, my first question uh, for me, so you talked about fiscal 25. You expect to see growth in both auto and IoT. I was just hoping you could give us a little bit more sort of puts and takes on how you think the, the year to, to progress. Obviously, you know, there's still probably some lingering inventory, especially on the auto side, but uh, yeah, any more color you can give us as far as the, the, the growth you're expecting in both segments uh, this year? You are talking about CV5 or no. overall? No, I'm auto, talking about your, you, you, you mentioned you expect both segments to grow this year, so if you could just give yes. us a little bit more so the, the dynamics, yeah. Right. So I think for the, let's talk about IoT for, first. I think for IoT, it's pretty clear that you know, with the CV2 uh, product line that we have been, you know, growing uh, CV revenue from close to 60% last year, and we're going to, we believe that the momentum of CV2 family will continue, particularly after the inventory problem is behind us. So I think at that point, I think CV2 family will drive the growth for us. But more importantly, I think in, our, in, my, in a script, we talk about CV5 will start ramping. Last year, we did a half a million units, and this year, we're probably going to double it. And that will also, if you consider ASP, that could be meaningful growth for us. So I think that's square on the IoT side. On the automotive side, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, um, first of all, the, we continue to announce the CV2 design wing in ADAS, in the OMS, CMS, on the electronic mirror and the recorders. Those are continue to be a big portion of our revenue, but also we are announcing Announcing uh, some partnership with uh, 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 with uh, CV3 uh, early customer that we have start delivering uh, samples and also partnership with NREs that will definitely play a role in our uh, CV3 revenue. Uh, sorry, our automotive revenues in there. So I think overall, although that uh, um, automotive market continue to be weak based on the feedback from the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the market, but I still believe that we are a small player in the automotive space, and we are trying to be a big one throughout the process. We're looking at more along the line our our uh, growth with the current design wins. So I think that's how we feel comfortable that uh, automotive will also have growth this year. Yeah, Tori, from a, a product point of view, in fiscal 25, uh, you know, our AI inference products, well, you know, it's almost all CV2, will be more than 100% of our growth. That means the video processor business will, you know, which was down substantially, uh, as John mentioned, in fiscal 24, it dropped about $80 million. That rate of decline in video processors uh, will, will begin to really taper off in fiscal 25. Did you have a follow-up for it? Yeah, that was very helpful. As my follow-up, um, uh, I was I was pretty impressed with the new Cooper development platform uh, when I saw your samples at CES, and I was just wondering, you know, how that uh, development plat platform is helping you secure, uh, you know, more more business activity because it does seem like it was an important piece of the pie that was missing, but obviously now that you have have it uh, readily available. 
In fact, all our existing customers are eager to get their hands on, uh, on the Cooper. Tells me a lot about how, how much they like this de development because now it's become very easy for them to port uh, software to, to different uh, umbrella platform, uh, different silicon means. And uh, also, it's easy to transfer the software and the function or AI algorithm from chip to chip. So this whole development is important for, not only for us, but also for our customers. And, uh, and uh, I think um, for the existing customer, that will make their development work even more uh, comfortable and uh, faster. So it will help us to keep those in customers, but also for the new customer, even on the in the LLM part, I think that we we are we can provide an environment for customer quickly can convert their software algorithm to run on our chip is important for our designers. Thank you. And our next question coming from the line of. Rasimur with Deutsche Bank, Kilanis Open. Hi guys, thanks for asking the question. Uh, when I think about the ASPs that you mentioned for going from CV2 to CV5 or even backwards looking to the CV2 itself, can you just walk us through again kind of orders of magnitude or rough pricing ranges? How much for ASPs a tailwind in calendar year 24 and, and what do you expect them to be in calendar 25? Or, right, so uh, first of all, Right. So for CV2 family, I think we talk about the price can be anywhere from the high single digit to the probably $30 range, and that's and the average ASP probably high teens. That's a CV2 family. And the CV5, we're talking about anywhere from the you know a low 30s to a high high 40s in that range, and that's uh, uh, and with our run rate, we think that uh, uh, we can maintain very healthy uh, not only ASP but also gross margin in that part of line. Um, then uh, um, CV5, uh, and in fact we have CV72 that we mentioned. The price range is similar to CV5, but uh, for AIoT, it's a different part of line. So I think. Um, and then we talk about CV3, the, the, the ASP is anywhere from the $40 to $400 uh, from CV72 to, uh, to a CV3, 685 So that just gives you an idea of ASP changes. Great. Thanks for that detail for me. And then I guess you talked about the year and growing in both sides of the business. Obviously, we have the first quarter guidance and, and talked about a little bit of the trajectory in a prior question on both your two sides of your business. But if we think about the kind of the second half versus the first half, it seems like you need some relatively sizable sequential increases on a percentage basis to get to that sort of number. Do you think you will be well within those kind of those average of roughly 70 million uh, true sell-through numbers? And, and if so, is that kind of a second half dynamic? And, and I guess is that more just about shipping to demand so the inventory headwinds abate, or is it about new products ramping? Right. First of all, we didn't guide any quarter to be 70 million, you know, in our guidance. We talk about, we believe that we're going to have growth this year and also believe that, you know, our Q1 guidance. But overall, I think, you know, when I look at, you know, the, the number that Street's predicting, I think it's, you know, reasonable. And also that based on what we have seen with uh, um, the, our customer demands, and as well as our, our booking, I feel comfortable with uh, the current uh, Q1, Q2 guidance. Of course, Q3, Q4, we haven't seen enough booking, but, you know, however, the momentum is there. So I, I think, you know, I, I, I'm comfortable that we're going to grow, and but in terms of our 
quarter to go high high, high uh, quarter to go quarter growth. We haven't provided any guidance on that yet. Yeah, and Ross, just to follow up on the ASP question, our ASP in fiscal 24 grew about 15% year over year. And looking into the next year, it really depends, you know, on the mix of video processor versus CV. But even within the CV2 family, you know, the ratio of CV5s to some of the lower-end CV2s. And, of course, we won't have CV3 revenue contributing in fiscal 25. So should be some increase, but it's just hard to say how much now. Uh, Livia, we can move on to the next question. Certainly. And our next question coming from Delina. Kevin Cassidy with Rosenblatt Securities. The line is open. Yeah, thanks for taking my question, and congratulations on the strong results. Um, just uh, on your uh, N1, uh, as you're talking to customers about it, what is the competitive landscape? Uh, what are some of the alternative designs that they're looking at? Um, and, uh, you know, I guess is the GPU still being considered even as a uh, edge processor? Well, some uh, low-end GPU being considered, but as a edge processor, you really need a, 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 a SOC with a very low power consumption, and with that, GPU is much less considered. Uh, but however, I do believe that uh, Qualcomm definitely have an ambition to uh, come to this market. And when we compare to them, you know, just like when we compare to them in the automotive space, um, I think we can deliver higher performance at lower power consumption. That's consistent to be the case. So I, I do believe we are, seeing, we are looking at very similar competitors uh, like our, uh, our automotive uh, market. Great, thanks. And, you know, it seems to me you're uh, getting a lot of leverage out of the 5 nanometer process. You've got lots of uh, parts, uh, price performance uh, ranges with this uh, 5 nanometer. Is there anything in your roadmap uh, looking to go below 5 nanometer now? Yes, we have to. I think there's, we, there's no chance we stay at 5 nanometer for long. But, however, I think it's really driven by two things. One is whether we can justify the cost um, and also whether that uh, um, the performance requirement. But I definitely believe that uh, you'll start hearing us talk about the you know, next generation of process selections uh, in the near future. Thank you. And as a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, to ask a question, please press star 1-1. One, one. And our next question coming from the line Gilmore with Morgan Stanley. Yolanda is open. Great, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> Fermi, you had alluded to some OEM wins for CV5 uh, that start to wrap in the second half of the year. Can you talk about what applications you're addressing there? It's a it's an EV truck in a, in a, in Western uh, space, and uh, um, we definitely we have been working on this case for um, several years, and uh, customer doesn't allow us to talk about it yet, just yet, but I think that since they are close to a, a to a, a announce their product, and I feel that we should we we, are, we feel comfortable to share with this news, but not to mention the customer names. Great, thank you for that, and then I guess. As far as the N1 product goes, you guys have kind of always shied away from doing anything in a phone uh, because you don't want to become a, a feature in a chipset. But, you know, obviously a lot of the potential large language model inference could be in devices like phones. So can you just talk about, you know, what are there opportunities around that to do coprocessors or, you know, where do you kind of draw the line at your participation? 
Right. Um, since both uh, uh, Qualcomm and Nvidia, sorry, Qualcomm and the MediaTek are very eager to come in to introducing products in the phone space for LLM, I, I feel that our opportunity is limited because, um, you know, uh, in, I, our, my idea is that even LLM on the phone, because you have 5G connectivity, you might be able to use some LLM at edge, but still leverage the 5G so you can uh, connect it to the cloud to run most of the LLM functions at, on, the, on the server side. So with that, uh, it, uh, cell phone become of a limited opportunity for us, not only because uh, Qualcomm MediaTek has a, a advantage in terms of a market share there, but also the usage model is really not purely age, it's a combination of age and the, and the cloud. So my feeling is uh, we are going to look at pure age devices that focusing on, you know, uh, uh, the uh, uh, battery sensitive and also the latency sensitive applications just like what we had before. Great, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm showing no further questions in the queue at this time. I will now turn the call back over to Dr. Fermi Wong for any closing remarks. Yeah, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today and looking forward to talk to you in a different conference or next time. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our conference for today. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.